In American society, money is a taboo topic. We're taught at a young age it's improper to talk about it, but we're also bombarded with messages about the power and importance of money in our everyday lives. And by not talking about it, we miss out on the skills and lessons we need to effectively understand and financially plan. That changes today. Welcome to Money Tales. Hosted by Sandy Brager and Cami Doder, Money Tales brings more than 35 years of combined professional experience in personal finance to demystify money and demonstrate what it's like to speak openly about personal financial matters. Join us each episode as they interview modern-day movers and shakers about how money decisions intertwine with their daily lives in order to give you better insight into productive financial conversations. Subscribe today and register for our blog, Fathom, at aspirient.com slash podcasts to increase your money mojo. And now, here's Cammie and Sandy. Christina Bowie joins us this week on Money Tales. As Christina tells us, losing everything was good for her. The fall of Saigon happened in 1975. Leaving everything they had behind, Christina's mom paid a stranger with gold to get a flight out of Vietnam. The plane took off on what happened to be the day before the Saigon airport was bombed. This harrowing escape was a pivotal moment that created more opportunities for Christina and her mother than they ever would have imagined. This is a story you won't want to miss. After decades of success in the business world, today Christina is co-founder of and managing partner at Keelan Ventures, a venture studio focused on championing the global talent and innovation of Vietnamese entrepreneurs. She serves as an operating partner, strategic advisor, and board advisor with various companies. Christina was awarded Most Influential Woman in Business in 2016 and 2017 by the San Francisco Business Times. She believes in giving back to the community and serves on many nonprofit boards. Here are three key money topics Christina hits on in this conversation. First, how her mother taught her that learning how to make her own money was more important than learning how to cook. This way, Christina wouldn't get stuck in the kitchen. Second, how your network builds your net worth. And third, how Christina believes in paying it forward. She finds that helping others be successful always reaps rewards in the end. We hope you share this episode with a friend and please subscribe to Money Tales on your favorite podcast platform. Now, onto our conversation with Christina Bowie. Welcome to the Money Tales podcast. I'm Cami Doder. And I'm Sandy Brager. Sandy, I ordered a book from one of our past podcast guests, Melissa Houston. It's her most recent one. Oh, how is it? It's really good. It's titled Cash Confident. It's all about for women business owners and things, steps they should take really around financial literacy, financial confidence. For this conversation, what I appreciated is all the learnings we can can capture from different places. And in this book that's gearing towards business owners, she's got five steps to consider. And I'll share them with you. Great. What are they? Step one is master your money mindset. And we've talked a lot about that, haven't we? And there's our history and how that impacts our mindset. Step two, know your financial reports. And I thought about, oh, that's great. I feel like we've heard from guests talking about maybe we delegate or we should know what's going on in our personal finances. That's a good one. Three, create a financial plan. I love that. Near and dear to our hearts. Step four, monitor your progress. 
I thought that was really good. And Sandy, you've always said, be curious as you're monitoring, mm-hmm. right? What if it's your finance, your personal financials, you know, ask yourself, why did you spend that? Does it align with your values? I always like that one. Yep. And then step five, manage your cash flow. And once again, another, yeah, another important one. Always an important step. And make sure you're on top of that. You have plenty of cash set aside for your needs and even your unexpected needs that can come up from time to time. All five of those are something we cover a lot on Money Tales with our guests. I just think that's so great. Well, thank you for sharing that. And congratulations to Melissa on her book. Absolutely. And let's go ahead and pivot to our guest today. Christina Bowie, welcome to the Money Tales podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. And would you start us off by introducing yourself and in doing so, provide a couple pivotal moments that have taken place in your life that really influenced who you are today? Yes. Hi, everyone. I'm Christina Bui, co-founder and managing partner at Keylon Ventures. We are a venture studio focused on elevating Vietnamese entrepreneurs. And uh, I started Keylon about a year and a half ago, and that's just been a continuation of Vietnamese founders finding me and asking me to advise their company, serve on their board. And after I left my full-time, you know, my last full-time employment, I decided to just continue doing this because it is a passion of mine starting my my own firm because, well, I am a refugee from the fall of Saigon. My family had to escape during the Vietnam War and left everything we had. We uh, had, I had two dresses and two pajamas. That's all we took wow. with us. Wow. My dad was already in the U.S. studying he was the chief of naval training and he Vietnamized the war so that the U.S. Navy was the first armed forces to pull out of Vietnam. So they gave him a full scholarship in 1972. And the fall of Saigon happened in 1975. And my mother was the hero who figured our way out of Saigon one day before they bombed the airport. So we were one of their last flights out of Saigon. So we made it without having to go through the boat people escape what they had to go through. And we got on the last air cargo plane that was owned by the U.S. and got out of there. And the next day they bombed the airport and it was destroyed. So nobody could fly out after that. Having a very strong mother also, it's just uh, contributed to who I am. Wow. Christina, we know these things happen, but when you're talking now, I'm I'm looking at someone who's gone through this experience. And I wondered if you would share more with us. To leave everything behind is unbelievable. What are you talking about at this point? Are you trying to sneak money out for any purposes? Is it you need money to live? How was how was your mom who's so creative and a problem solver and oh my gosh, the fortune of it all. How did she solve for this need? Yeah. So it's a lot of faith, right? So we didn't even know the woman who offered our way out. She said, you pay me, I think gold because cash was no longer, you know, the dong was, we were passing out the dong to everybody. And uh, she said, you have to pay us in gold. And I think it's equivalent of 10,000 US per 
person. So that's 40K. And we had to believe that she was going to get us out because she could really a lot. This happened to a lot of people. They faked it. They didn't show up. They didn't have the way out. You know, you give them the money and they lead you astray. So I think it was a lot of faith. We didn't know this person. She just happened to be married to an American GI and she had a way out. So we paid her goal to lie to the U.S. embassy to say that we're her relatives. And we had a piece of paper that said, oh, you know, we're related, even though we never met this woman before. And they believed us. So they let us out with her as, you know, part of her family. But then she did take the gold and left us in Guam, you know, but at least we were out in the country, you know, but my mother was still bitter about that. I think my mom was a great problem solver. She was very educated, valedictorian of her high school. But once she married my dad, she had to stop going to school. Back then in Vietnam, even though she was valedictorian of Maori Curry, which is what the top French baccalaureate school in, Sa- in Saigon at the time, my dad said, you know, you're too pretty to go to school. You don't need to go. And so she was, a, you know, like a housewife. And once we got, you know, arrived in the U.S., we basically started over from scratch. She was, my mom never had to work a day in her life, you know, back in Vietnam. We had chauffeurs and maids and she, all she did was take cooking classes and language classes. Her first job was a janitor, like cleaning a church, you know, this church gave her a job. And my father, you know, we had nothing. So thankfully, he got a teaching job. And all of our friends who were, you know, former naval officers, everybody really like washed dishes, worked three, four jobs. My, you know, my mom was a janitor. You do everything you can. You clean houses. Yeah. And my dad had to drive to Washington, D.C., to teach high school. And, you know, it was a really scary place to be a teacher. (laughs) And uh, he was harassed by, you know, these big kids. And, you know, he's this little Asian man and the kids did not listen to him, but we had to do what we can. And my mom, you know, got her associate college degree, then worked her way up to, you know, finishing college and had a great career as a medical technologist and eventually worked her way up to getting a PhD. Wow, that is impressive. Well, my dad, you know, the ties returned. He became Mr. Mom. He had to, you know, he had to take care of us. He had to cook dinner for us while she worked till 11 o'clock at night. So I think sometimes I feel like coming to this country, losing everything we had was good for me and my mom. Because if we were in Vietnam, we would not have had the opportunity to finish, you know, college or, you know, build our own careers. And I guess for me, actually being able to marry the man that I want rather than what my parents want. So there's freedom in coming to the United States as an immigrant, but it wasn't really a planned move. It wasn't something that your parents had designed to do all along. So tell us, Christina, what messages did you take away from a money perspective as a young person going through such a big shift and seeing your parents' relationship, at least in terms of the family economics, change so dramatically? 
Yes. So I learned a lot from my mom because it's, you know, for a woman, always have financial independence. She actually said, I don't want you to be a good cook because you're going to be stuck in the kitchen. I want you to cook just, you know, well enough to get through, but you have to be financial independent and make money and be able to make your own money and not never, ever rely on anybody else. Those are strong messages that you receive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad I don't cook that well. And I think <laughs> <laughs> you're not stuck in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Of course, education is important. And I've always had to climb my way up slowly up the ladder, you know, like a Capricorn, you know, the goat. Do you think you had to more so than others? Yeah, we couldn't cut any corners. We couldn't take any risks because our family started with nothing. I remember that there were two bags of Salvation Army clothes like in front of our house and the kids in my neighborhood made fun of me and, you know, said, oh, you wear Salvation Army hand-me-downs. And I mean, kids were really, really mean about that. But back then to me, it was hand-me-downs are awesome, you know? And maybe we tired of wearing these two dresses that I can take out of the country with me. (laughs) Exactly. We grow to being able to go to Kmart, you know, and going to Kmart was a luxury. And so we really, really had to build from the ground up from zero to, you know, now my parents were able to buy a beautiful home in a really beautiful neighborhood in Northern Virginia in a very affluent neighborhood. But I think we were always saving. I mean, always minimum cars. You don't buy a new car until your car is like completely dies, like goes kaput. So I think that's always been our family values and just having to build everything from scratch. So you're building from scratch. Your parents are instilling strong values in you. Your mom is is really lighting a fire to be financially independent. And you grow up, you leave your parents' home. And then what happens in your life next, Christina? My parents live in Northern Virginia. And uh, I was the only one who moved west to California because I think they really felt like they needed to arrange my marriage. And uh, my dad's going to laugh when he hears this. My my mom's passed away of Alzheimer's, but my dad's, it wasn't them that was finding these guys. It was the guy's mothers that kept bringing their sons to my house. And I was, you know, in college and they, you know, they would know that I came home for the weekend on Fridays from University of Virginia. So I would come home on a Friday and there's a guy and his mother sitting in my living room and I'd get very rude and I'd walk in and, you know, just run up the stairs and get really mad at my parents for bringing these people to my house. But you know, they would say, well, look at, you know, he drives a sports car, has a townhouse and he's a PhD and he's Vietnamese and he's Catholic, you know, all checking boxes. Huh? <laughs> yes. And I was really tired of that. So I just took off and moved to San Francisco all by myself, didn't know anybody. And I have been living in San Francisco since. It is really just building my own life and my own career on my own in California. And still very financial independent, primary breadwinner in my house and really climbed the corporate ladder. So you came to San Francisco 
kind of with not much, it sounds like. Yeah. And will you just, describe what you did and what were your goals at that time? I joined an engineering company that was run by a Vietnamese CEO who really wanted to rebuild the roads in Vietnam. And I joined the company because I wanted to build the roads in Vietnam. So I didn't know anything about business development. And he taught me hazard networking. Uh huh. And that's how, you know, you build business contacts. We have to network to get on a team to propose for huge highway and transit projects, right? And you have to hobnob with the politicians and get to know who's making these major decisions on these major transportation projects. So I just learned from scratch how to do business development, just haphazard networking, just to meet as many people as I can. And it's sort of like lobbying. You sort of want to meet all these decision makers so that you can influence these decisions makers so that your team can win this project or so that you can learn as much about the project as possible so that you can put together a great proposal or get on the right team so that you're on the winning team for these engineering projects. So I really, really learned that business development is so important. And I became the rainmaker for the company. And every company that I joined after that, I became the rainmaker. And it's so funny. One of the companies that I advise, she, they say that my network builds up their, their net worth. <laughs> <laughs> so it's your network that builds your net worth. So a lot of relationship building and really cultivating those relationships and using it for the better of the company and the business that you're doing. These are great skills that you're learning. It does sound like you're becoming financially independent and really owning it in a big way and becoming successful in your efforts, Christina. What what was that like for you? And I'm curious if and how it impacted your relationship with your mother who had always wanted that for you. Yes, I think she was very proud of me. She was torn because she really wanted me to come back to Virginia. When I left, I said I was coming back. But then I had a great career here in San Francisco and really building it up. And I never, I didn't consider going back. And I think that was hard for her, but she was very proud of me as well. And there was a, I guess there was a time when I was awarded most influential women in business in San Francisco for two years in a row by the Business Times. And I think that's when they were really, really, really proud of me. Because everyone else in in your community was recognizing your success. Yeah. So I think that's when she was fine with me just leaving indefinitely and not coming back to be close to them in Virginia. And what was that like for yourself to be so successful? Oh, I wouldn't say that. (laughs) I'm so successful. Why wouldn't you say that? Oh, I just feel like I'm still climbing. I still haven't made the money and the comfort that I really, where I want to be. You know, I still have to worry every single day, you know, and I think people admire me for my network and all of that, but it's still not where I ultimately want to be. I still have a ways to go. 
the business development part of the career is very important because I was always in the technical field, right? I was the business development person for consulting engineering firms for nine years. So I was the rainmaker bringing in projects, bringing in business. If the company lost, then I didn't get the bonus, but I got the bonus from winning the projects. And then after that, in the finance field, in the CFO consulting and the finance consulting field, I was business development for all the CFO advisory finance consulting firms. And what I learned there is I'm a generalist. I'm not technical, you know, I don't know engineering, I don't know finance, but being able to bring in the business, you actually make more money. You know, your salary, your commission is a lot higher than people who are actually doing the work. So that's my big advice to everybody is, you know, bring in the business, be the rainmaker, build up your network because it'll build up your net worth. So you're a generalist. However, you have to know a lot about the engineering, the finance realm, depending on the company you're working for. So it kind of reminds me of your mom who was constantly learning And I'm curious, how did you learn? Was it important to you? Yeah, it's definitely always more learning. And I would never acquire the knowledge of all the technical people. So I let them do the talking, right? I let the engineers, you know, they come with me, they pitch and they wrote the proposals. And so did all the CFOs that I work with. They really put together the proposal, but I just opened the doors for everybody. You know, really, I'm a door opener (laughs) and I need people to, you know, really uh, help me close the deal. So education is just so important in our family. Even my mom in her 60s, after having grandchildren, was still working on her PhD. And my dad, you know, already got his PhD. So she was always trying to catch up with him. And then the other part that I want to share with uh, about business development is I do business development and by paying it forward. So I'm constantly helping people connect with other people. You know, it takes time. Okay, I'll, you know, I'll send an email and connect you with this person, but I build it helping other people build their network with the hopes that some of it will come back to me. And it does. And I, I started out that way, paying it forward. And it sort of is all coming back now. It takes a while. But a lot of people are asking me for favors. Can you introduce me? Everybody looking for a job (laughs) has reached out to me. And I just feel like, okay, you just take that, those two minutes and help this one person with one thing or one introduction or two introduction. Somehow it'll come back to you one day. And so that was another key that's really, really helped me build my network. And people trust me that this person has been helpful to me. And that's why I think people continue to come to me and offering me board position or advisory board positions on their company because they're, they've seen that value, you know, that's worked. Christina, when we work with our clients, we talk a lot about their personal net worth. And we talk about more than just the financial net worth. We talk about the fact that there's social capital, there's intellectual capital, there's spiritual capital. And it sounds like you've really honed the social capital aspects of your business life. I love what you call it. That's a great term, social capital. 
you have a tremendous amount. So I want to tie that together with what you were saying earlier about not having reached the financial success that you like. And I'm wondering, how do you define success at this point in your life? And what are your goals? Going back maybe even to that that list that Cammie shared from Melissa Houston's book in the beginning. I guess not having to worry about when the next you know check is going to come is and being able to travel and do whatever I would like to me is financial success. I still have a ways to go because I have kids still in, you know, and the youngest is entering high school next year. And then we have the whole college for three kids, right? So it's a ways to go. So I still have to continue to work, you know, work very, very hard, I think, for another five years or so. Definitely success for me is I love what I'm doing and passionate about it. And I've been able to provide just the best education for my kids. Christina, we have a favorite question. I think it'd be great to hear your perspective. Describe your relationship with money today. Yeah. So I guess it's a tough question because I just started my own business a year and a half ago. And so it's tough. It's not easy. And so my relationship with money is still a challenge and and a struggle. Do you talk about money much with other people? I don't like to (laughs) because I care more about my social capital and my personal and family life and my values more more than money. With that in mind, how does it feel to talk about money with us today? It's hard. (laughs) I don't like to talk about money. I just hope that it's going to be there (laughs) in the end. (laughs) It sounds like you work really hard for it. Yeah. Elon Ventures is all about, probably all about talking about money if you're helping, you're elevating Vietnamese entrepreneurs. I really appreciate your honesty. And so I'm just curious how you reconcile that. Yeah. So I think I went from, you know, the stable corporate job with benefits, with all the promotions, right? With regular checks coming in to running my own firm and taking a sweat equity and, you know, equity and really putting a lot of time and effort into believing in these entrepreneurs and hoping that, you know, one of them is going to, you know, get that, you know, that successful exit. So it's a lot of faith and hope. What I've done is taken everything that I've built in my career to build my own path of success. So I think the struggle is I'm not there yet, you know, (laughs) building the empire, you would say. As you look back over the last year and a half, Christina, how are you feeling about the decision to have taken that big leap? It's scary, but I love every minute of it. And I work 24-7. It's nonstop. And I keep having more and more really great companies approach me to work with them. And I'm having to be very selective, but it's just pretty thin. It was the best decision I've ever made in my life. It's just not having that stability of, you know, the regular paycheck is just daunting. Sounds like an adjustment, but one that you're you're really happy to be making and and aren't looking back and rethinking the decision you made. Yeah. I mean, the looking back is like, oh, you know, uh, somebody's just recruited me for a CEO position and I have to consider it. 
you know, but I still stayed away from taking those offers. Maybe, maybe talk to me in a year. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be keeping track. (laughs) So Christina, you mentioned that you were a breadwinner in your family. Reflecting back on that, what are some of the takeaways that you want to share with our listeners? Yes. So I think women should be able to stand on their own two feet and be financial independent. I was in a marriage that was not great and he wanted me to move with him overseas. I had the chance to say no because I had my own career and it was the best thing for me and my kids and not to have to follow him to another country. You had a lot of flexibility. Yeah. Christina, as someone who doesn't particularly enjoy talking about money, we appreciate you talking about it with us today. What is your next money conversation going to be and who is it going to be with? I have a feeling that I'm going to talk to a very high net worth individual who wants me to team up with them to either start a fund or do something with them. And then they're going to want me to you know, discuss what I want out of my life. Christina, what a great conversation. Uh, Would you let our listeners know what's the best place for them to find you? Yes. So LinkedIn, Christina Bui-Kilan Ventures. Fantastic. Thank you, Christina, for joining us on Money Tales and sharing your story. I don't think you're giving yourself the credit for all the success you have. It's just amazing. (laughs) And thank you for sharing. Thanks for listening to the Money Tales podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, Share it with someone you think would benefit from listening and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. Your ratings and reviews help more people find our podcast. If you're inspired to gain clarity and peace of mind about financial matters, don't hesitate to reach out to our team at Asperient. Go to asperient.com forward slash start a dialogue. Or you can email Sandy and me at podcasts at See you next time.